Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Tennis with an Accent. This is a Rajiv Ram special. Uh, this interview consists of two parts, first with Rajiv in Newport and then with Rajiv and his wife Zainab in Montreal. It's a free-flowing conversation. Enjoy the chat. Hello everyone, another round of questions and we have the honor of uh, speaking to two-time Newport champion Rajiv Ram who just came after a gut-wrenching win against Leander Pays and Sam Groth. How are you feeling? I feel great. I mean, honestly, when you get through matches like that on the tour, there's so many times when, you know, you feel like, oh, just something went against me, something didn't go my way, and, you know, eight match points on a grass court against, you know, they serve for it twice, 40 love one game, Sam Groth serving, who's got a huge serve, and, you know, when you get through something like that, I think it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it makes you, you know, think about how those things even out. Absolutely. Uh, you have, you've had some amazing memories at this court. What is it about this uh, tournament that brings out your best tennis? You won twice here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of things, really. It's not just one thing. I mean, the surface suits me very well, first of all. You know, it's a grass court that's a little lower bouncing than normal. And that, you know, I have a, a game that mirrors how people played in the 70s, 80s, and maybe the 90s. So, you know, this is the kind of surfaces they grew up on, and they played a lot, of, a lot on. So, you know, I, I'm able to utilize that. Secondly, it's in America. You know, we've all just been in Europe for quite a long time, and... Uh, it's the first week, you know, we're kind of back home stateside and then you're feeling a little good, good energy, you know, nice to have the crowd behind me here a lot of the times. And uh, so I think it's just a great atmosphere at right? the Tennis Hall of Fame, great crowds, and it's just, it's just a lot of fun to play. You made a great point, which uh, segues into my second question. Given your success in old school grass court game, chip and charge, pick up volleys, uh, half volleys, I mean, uh, why hasn't that been a great success for you on the grass in UK. Uh, is, is the grass quite different than here? The grass is totally different there. This is apparently from what I've heard from you know, people that played you know, before, this is how you know, the grass at Wimbledon and some of those other events used to be, you know, low bouncing and you know, a little quicker. And um, you know, now the grass over there plays a lot like hardcore. So to be honest with you, there's days when the French open on the clay because of the, the ball we use and the weather is, is quicker than Wimbledon. You know, Wimbledon, you see nobody comes to the net anymore. People play from the baseline and it's not just me, you know. Um, you know, many other players that played my style sort of have either had to adjust or they've just decided, you know, it's not really uh, it's not really something they can handle anymore. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a big change that's been implemented by uh, by the the people over there. So what's the roadmap ahead for the singles play? I see you got a wild card here, and what does a wild card mean at this stage of your career? A wild card means that uh, they were nice enough to let me play my final singles match of my career here. Oh, really? So yeah, uh, you know, I spoke to Todd Martin about it in March, and I'd kind of been thinking about that and uh you know realize i'm 33 and i want uh you know my career to last for a long time in doubles i feel like a if i focus fully on it i can get a little bit further i think i'm you know been as high as 11 i'd like to try and be contending for slams and you know masters events and then um you know uh just realizing that the toll that the singles takes on my body at this point is is not something that i necessarily want to do because i felt like it could take away the longevity of my career so i kind of shared these things with todd and said you know this is a special place for me and um I'd love to play my last singles match of my career here. So, so Tuesday was it, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately for me. But I'm very excited to, to move on. Yeah, it is kind of your best tournament, so it, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so, what's a double uh, plan for future? Are you still playing with Klassen? Yeah. So we're going to play this year together. We haven't spoken about next year or anything like that. But you know, we're still, I think, top eight in the race. We had a Masters win, and uh, grass court season a little more, di a little disappointing this year. We should, we felt like we could have done a little bit better, but. Um, we're really hoping to, you know, come back strong on the hard courts. Our first event together is Montreal, but we're actually playing World Team Tennis together for two weeks after this. So we're going to try and get sharp and, um, you know, get ready to go for the rest of the season, you know, all the big events that we have. 
This is a question I ask everyone who comes to my podcast, but I know the answer. I guess your inspiration was Pete Sampras. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, obviously, I've modeled my game after. My first inspiration was actually Boris Becker. The same um, as mine. You know, watching really, I, but I didn't go anywhere. So. Yeah, <laughs> watching uh, watching Becker play, and honestly, all the all the players that came to the net, like obviously, like I'd like to do. Stefan Edberg was another you know one that I really enjoyed. And then um, being an American, I was fortunate enough to see probably the greatest generation of players ever from one country in one period, you know. And, you know, I like them all. And, um, you know, Pete's game really, uh, I, I saw myself trying to emulate playing that same style. Funnily enough, another guy that I really liked and emulated quite a bit was Todd Martin, who's now the tournament yep. director here. And, and he had a similar game to Pete. And you see we're same size and both, uh, you know, from the Midwest and a lot of similarities. Anyway, um, but... Um, my dad, I didn't have a coach until I was 16 years old, 15 years old. So my dad and I would hit, we hit every day from until I was about 12. And, you know, he, he had no tennis background. He could play a little bit, but he just said, look, watch this guy. He's pretty good and try to do what he does. And that was pretty much it. So I, I basically just tried to play like Pete did. I saw you played some collegiate tennis as well. I did. So you think, uh, are we heading towards a time when sticking around for college would be a good option? Because at the top, you don't see many young players break in. And that could be a valuable experience if they stay in college and then come Absolutely. I think college tennis is one of the best developmental systems in tennis. Um, I honestly wish I'd stayed longer. I only stayed one season. I wish I had stayed another season. I think it would have been good for me at the time. We didn't quite have this 30-somethings, 30s, the new 20 on tour. So I felt like, you know, maybe it was time to start playing. But looking back on it in hindsight, 2020, I wish I would have stayed a little bit longer. Um, just feeling like, um, you know, it allows for maturity both physically mentally as a person as a tennis player they have you have everything sort of there for you to to try and get better and succeed and it, it's just a great system you, you have you know teammates to practice with all the time and you can make what you want of it and that's really a good thing for someone who wants to succeed uh, with the physicality in the sport there's a lot of talk a lot of journalists advocate that we should uh, do away, away from the best of five in slams mm -hmm. any thoughts on that well um I would do away with other things before I did away with best of five in slams. I feel like the court surfaces have gotten so slow and the balls have gotten so heavy that you get these long, grueling points over and over again. I think the best of five really has some tradition to it and a, really a war of attrition in those majors. But I think now that we're seeing these six-hour matches on a regular basis or whatever it is, I think that's a bit ridiculous. I think we need to the tour needs to realize that that's not great for the players it's not great for the sport nobody has six hours to sit around and watch a sporting event if you, if you quicken the courts you lighten the balls you'll all of a sudden see maybe a few more guys attack a little bit more some more serve volley shorter points mm -hmm. that kind of thing will make matches you know a little quicker and i think it's still great to play best of five but there may be at maximum four and a half hours or something not not the six hours you know here i believe the usta is experimenting with on-court coaching in the qualies yeah your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's great. I think, uh, I mean, I'm there's a variety of opinions. I am one to think that anything that we can add to our game that makes it more attractive to fans is a good thing. And I think coaching, you see other coaches in other sports, whether it be American football, basketball, their coaches are superstars in themselves, you know, great coaches. And but I isn't think, it a disadvantage for someone who can't afford a coach or doesn't that um, add that value? Yeah, okay, I, I can see that, but I still feel like there could be a lot of insight. Maybe that person can have another player you know, uh, be their coach. It doesn't necessarily have to be a specific coach. You know, maybe they have a, a friend, somebody to keep them, you know, keep them in it, keep them in the match. And I, I feel like um, 
yes, that is definitely a negative to it. But I feel like there's also positives to where it can be experimented definitely, with, and maybe value, if it doesn't yeah. go bad, doesn't go well, you can go away from it. But I don't think it should be. I don't think it should be left, you know, alone. I think it should be looked at. Any message to your fans who listen to our podcast? Oh yeah, just thanks for listening. I appreciate all the support. You know, um, over the years, I've been on tour for quite some time now. I still love it, and I hope you guys keep supporting me. Thank you for doing this. Thank hope you. All the best. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Welcome, everyone, to Tennis with an Accent. This is a special episode. We are fortunate enough to host Rajiv Ram and his better half, Zainab. Uh, they are in Montreal. Ran into them at the hotel, and they were kind enough to give a few minutes of their time. Welcome. Thank you. So, Zainab, I spoke to Rajiv a few weeks ago in Newport, and uh, I just want to pick your brain. I mean, uh, what is it about tennis? Like, you know, the tennis wives or tennis spouse, uh, what is the gig? I mean... Well... <laughs> um. I mean, it's more like just to be able to support him. We spent a lot of time, sorry. We spent a lot of time apart, you know, it's towards the beginning, I would say, for five years or so, we were, were doing everything, you know, via phone or FaceTime. And so as soon as we got married, we thought it was a good idea for us to try to take the opportunity. I quit my job and um, to, take, to travel with him. And we just wanted to see, you know, how it would be, it would be better for him. Um, for his career and also I mean I was I was giving up mine but I thought it was worth it because his, for him there's only a limited amount of time that you can do this for and I just thought it would be fun both just to be able to spend time with him be able to support him and also get to see the world so Absolutely. it's been it's been a year and a half now and I would say I don't regret quitting my job it's been a really good experience for me so far do you like tennis in general or yeah I have I have, I like tennis before I met him I was I played tennis I would say probably since I was 10 years old so okay. I've been involved so it actually I don't know if it's good or bad but we can sometimes talk I, mean, I don't not to his level but I can definitely talk to him about tennis but um, I don't know if some people see that as a good or bad thing because some people like just to be able to come home and not think about tennis again. But for us, we actually have that component. Um, and you can ask him what he thinks about it, but it's nice that I kind of understand what's going on. And I like to learn, so I feel like I learn a lot too doing this. Uh, so you're going back, you said you know you were doing a lot of FaceTime and you know he was traveling. So yeah. uh, now, since you're on the road, how is that? Is it overwhelming going different stops? No, it actually hasn't. It's been nice that we can do it together. To be honest, like it was, it was, it was really hard for us. I want to say for that bit of time that we were doing it apart. And so, I actually, um, it's been a pleasant experience for me. And like I said again, you can ask him. But for me, I, I've enjoyed it, and it hasn't been. I haven't been like, oh, I'm ready to go home at any point in time. As long as we're doing it together, I'm, I'm completely in. So, Rajiv, for you, has it been better since she's been now traveling? I'm sure. It helps uh, because uh, if you're on the road so often, because tennis is week in, week out, you know, you're living in hotels and just moving to different yeah, destinations. Yeah, I mean, tennis is hard already because, you know, you do, you're out, you're on the court by yourself and you come home to the hotel by yourself. And, you know, I mean, you have coaches and stuff. It's it's still a very lonely experience because those coaches can't even really help you on the court. They only help you before and after this and that. So, I mean, it's certainly nice to have somebody that you feel like is there with more of a vested interest than perhaps a coach would be, although I've been very lucky in my career to have coaches that are more than just in for the job, you know, but still, you know, family's a different thing. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that since we got married the last two years, you know, last year and this year have been the two, years, two best years of my career. Um, even the end of 15, 2015, when we decided that we were going to, you know, move forward with the relationship and, and just a little bit more stability, 
I, like I said, I don't think it's coincidental that these have been probably my best years of my career because it definitely provides a bit of stability that is hard to find in the sport. Of course, the foundation is always good because, you know, as fans, we only see you, you guys in the draws. Yeah. And we see this guy lost, okay, you know, like, what is the next tournament he's playing? So what is the planning like? I mean, suppose if you're in Newport and then, for example, if you were, I know you didn't play Atlanta, yeah. but if they're back-to-back -back weeks. Well, I mean, after Newport, we went to team tennis in San Diego. Okay. So, I mean, we, we were out of there as soon as we could be. But that's where Xanab helps so much is that, you know, basically I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I mean, I, I my focus is on the court, off the court, as far as, you know, what can I do to better my tennis? And she's so good at handling all the other logistics of everything. It, it, it's like, it really is like a team effort, you know? Okay. Even though I'm the one playing, it doesn't, it's, it's definitely a team effort. No, but sure, you, you, you do need a team, so that's where you come in and so you're managing the yeah, travel. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I do, obviously do all our travels and like all our finance stuff, anything that's administrative for him, I'm, I pretty much do. But I don't mind it at all, and he's really easy. He doesn't, like, he's not like he's like, you have to do this, you have to do, you know, he lets me literally do whatever I want. I just enjoy doing it, so I just take the reins on that and, and, and handle most of that. I'm sure you're not alone, so you run to other tour wives or girlfriends. I mean, have yeah. you made some friendships? Yeah, his double partner, his uh, wife, Celeste, um, she started to travel too, like around the same time that I was uh, starting, so we've gotten to know each other pretty well, and we're both pretty similar personalities and so we spend time when we want to when we don't want to we go do our we're very independent both of us so um, I'm also a very independent person so I I don't have to have people around me all the time so I'm happy to just go explore on my own and I keep myself busy I can say that <laughs> so. so how's the I know like it's all gated I mean I finally secured a media pass so I kind of know how this other side works mm -hmm. so how's the coaching and family side I mean are there any restrictions for locker room or coaching and family that are yeah, is there a like for us players? Yeah, for yeah. Players. So we, we basically get an allotment. Usually, it's one coach and two guests at a tournament. So you know, you have your one coach, maybe a, a physio of some sort, and then you know a guest. So that's we we, we and that varies from two fifty to five hundred. No, it's, it's pretty well. That's usually what it is. I mean, sometimes at the smaller events, they let you kind of slide as the tournaments get higher and higher level. It's more and more strict. Mm. Um, but that's a very Okay. sort of standard procedure for that kind of thing so um like i have my coach here i have my wife here and then you know this week a lot of times the players will help each other like for example we don't have anyone else here in canada so a couple of the canadian guys have need extra so i helped one of them out this week and next week in cincinnati the tournament's close to where i grew up in indianapolis so we have a lot of people her family's from um, indiana as well so we have a lot of extras there so you know the players are good about that because you never know when the next week where you might need somebody you know need help from another guy to, to hook you up with another badge so do you get a request for tickets as well i'm sure since uh... i my, now my family wants to come so i think mainly from them and then i have a few family friends here and there that know about him now so they've asked but they're mainly on his side i want to say right now is like the ticket ticket request but we try to do the best we can every week to get whoever wants to come to get them i'd say ticket, ticket. requests are on my side yeah. and credentials are because she yeah. she comes from a family of eight and I only have a family of three. I'm an only child, so okay. definitely, it's it's and it's great. It, the more I, I always look at it, the more the merrier. You know, the more people you can have supporting you. It's it, like I said, it's lonely out there. You know, and the, oh, more, you, is, the yeah. more you can have, you know, that are really rooting for you, the, the better it is. Definitely. And uh, how is he after a loss? I mean, a tough loss. I mean, I know you guys are a couple. I mean, so <laughs> so is it? Because uh, you know, the, we don't know. I saw like Groth break a racket. You know, like a few weeks ago, and that was like very. You don't know how to react. Like yesterday, even in Presser, Nadal was almost, I mean, I shouldn't say tears, but he was pretty emotional yeah. after the rough loss. Yeah. So you guys live that. I mean, you know, we see it from far. Yeah. So how is it like a disappointing result? 
versus I a mean, great result. It's obviously, it's just, I mean, I feel like when he loses, it's disappointing for me too, but obviously I probably don't, you know, it feels a lot more to him, but I mean, I just, I'm just there to try to be as supportive as possible. I, I try not to press him at all after matches. If he wants to talk to me, he can talk to me. If he doesn't want to, then that's also okay. It's, it's been learned. It's a learning curve for me as well, but I've gotten better at it to know like when, mm -hmm. when to talk to him and when not to. And, um, he's pretty good. It usually takes him a day and then he's, and then he's, he's okay. But I'm just there if he needs anything and you know, he's, he's always good. So I can't really complain, but, um, but yeah. Okay. For you, now, uh, same question, are the losses easy because she's around? Because first you would just go back probably to tie to the hotel room and just, you know, I don't know. Much yeah, I don't know if they're easier. I mean, you know, we, we're all competitors out here. No, easier to digest. I mean, yeah, you know, to move I, on, process. I, I, I would say it's certainly easier to, like, get back on the right track. Because, you know, geez, when you're alone and you have a tough loss, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you might think, well, if I just have one Snickers bar or two Snickers, you know, like you just run down a rabbit hole that can be a little bit, you know, debilitating at times. But then you have somebody else there to like, you know, kind of say, all right, you know, you have your one, but maybe you don't have the second one, that kind of thing. You know, like you kind of have somebody to pull you back on the right path and then and then you sort of get back on track a little quicker. It's, it's certainly not easier to lose. Maybe it's even harder to lose at times because you feel like, you know, you have you know, you're, you're, you're more people are vested in you, mm -hmm. so you feel like you're, you're a little bit more responsible. I, I don't know if it makes it, it's not that it's more pressure, but it's, it's you know, you, you feel like you're playing for two almost, you know? And because you know how much she invests in it, but it's definitely easier to get back on the right track after a tough loss, I would say. And also after a good win, it's also easier to like, it's yeah, just, it, it brings more sense of a normalcy, which I think is emotionally good for us as tennis it's players. Effect, it's, yeah, it's so up and down all the time, and, and that's that's really hard to deal with, you know? All right, Zainab, so since you've been traveling now for a year and a half, what are your favorite stops on tour besides, let's not talk about the slams, other stops, because you've traveled probably a lot now, so. We were just having this conversation the other day about the Master Series. We were trying to decide what would be the, which one, which one is the best. And for me, honestly, it's accessibility to get to the courts, um, how close it is sometimes. Like, I feel like those long rides I'm, I'm not too keen on, and that might be a crazy point, but to decide how a tournament is good or not. But... I would say Indian Wells is probably one of, I think it's a, it's a tour favorite amongst the players and probably all of the support staff as well. Um, I would have to say Indian Wells, what else? One? Um, we went to Barcelona one time and I really liked the city, but we were there for so like few days that I didn't really get to see it, but I would say I would like to go back there for sure. And then I like the end of the year tournament, the Master Series in Paris. Mm, um, yeah. yeah, I like that tournament. A lot. I'm trying to think of what else. You I really enjoyed. I felt like you enjoyed London, like the, the oh, tour yeah, finals. Oh yeah, the tour finals. But that's yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's considered like a yeah. a slam. But yeah, that was yeah, a that was fun. a that was just nice to be staying because when you go for Wimbledon, you stay in Wimbledon Village. So this was nice because you actually stay in central London. So there's a lot more to do and see in that area. But I would say yeah, my my most favorite is probably Indian Wells, or I actually really like Monte Carlo. I mean. Or not to like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like a postcard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, so again, you know, you guys are a team in this. Of course, your Westerners career, you made a sacrifice, which is you know great. But uh, the deeper he goes in the tournament, is he accommodating enough if you want to go see the city, or are you are aware of the fact okay now he's you know he has his routines, practice, match, and you guys probably maybe just go to a little dinner, but you won't go sightseeing. Those things come up, or as a tennis wife, you kind of know this is. 
you know tennis first and then we can if you know if we're still around we can visit the city yeah i i mean i've i've learned that like i used to wonder why he didn't want to walk around if like when i was first going to places like why doesn't he want to walk around and then now i realize now i know like day before matches he's not going to really do i think you've gotten gotten him to do more sightseeing actually since i've started traveling but um yeah no and like i said we're i think both of us are pretty easy when he i mean if i if i want to go and he's got a match i mean he's not gonna he it's not like he's demanding he's like oh you need to stay and go to dinner with me or anything like that i think we just personally enjoy spending time together so it's a it's a just mutual decision but for the most part um we'll do it if, we, if he has a day off or at the end of the tournament if we want to do something together if i go and see something i'm like oh you know you should come and see it then you know he's willing happens, to I'd yeah say a, a bit more yeah. where she goes yeah. and sees something or tries something to eat no mm. we should go try this together yeah. but honestly like even at the end of a tournament, I mean, we, we also enjoy our home time, yeah. so we're, we're pretty ready to get home whenever, if it's yeah. the end of a trip, to, you know, we're probably not going to hang around much, you know. There used to be an RCA championship back in the day, right? Did you yeah. ever play that? Or yeah, I got, I got really lucky to play it, uh, I think, five times before it stopped. And I was yeah. a ball boy there, too, as oh, well, wow. which was, yeah, it was kind of... Who did you ball boy for? I ball boy, uh, it was a pretty funny story, actually. I, I ball boyed for Bjorkman. Bjorkman won it that year, I want to oh. say, in the singles, and... Like he's on tour now with Chillage, he's coaches yeah. Chillage. So I, I told him about that. He didn't think that was that funny because it showed how old he is, I guess. But <laughs> I'm one of the older guys on tour. But no, I mean it was it was a tournament that I went to. I think three or four years, and obviously saw a few, you know, great generation of Americans because it was in that time in the late '90s, and, and then to get to play it. Yeah, it was different times. Sampras used to play that. Korea yeah, played. Now played these guys only play the 1000s and majors. Well, I mean, it's more that the best players in the world aren't American anymore, and. You know, if, if that was the case back then, you wouldn't have seen Europeans playing that level of an event. But, but Becker played that. I mean, I think something has changed at the top now. They're just like... Yeah. Also, that tournament dropped its level. Okay. So it was... Long story short, it shared a week with Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. got the higher slot yeah. as far as tournament, and Indianapolis got the lower slot. So, you know, obviously top players you know, would tend to play the bigger event more than the smaller event. You still see nowadays, you know, DC quite, gets quite a good field and Indy doesn't even have a tournament anymore, yeah. so it's in Atlanta now. I know you know the name attached with you sometimes, Rampress. I mean, is yeah. that, you, you like it? or? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I I guess I didn't really think that much about it. I probably don't like it, but I obviously can see where it came from. I mean, that's just how I play tennis. You know, yeah. I, I, I didn't have a coach until I was 15 years old. My dad played with me until I was 12 and then I played in some junior stuff, but he basically, you know, he... We did a lot. I learned a lot of tennis by watching, you know, watching people play. And we both decided that Pete was a pretty good role model. And I have a knack for, I guess, being able to imitate players. And I just that's just kind of how I developed my technique. Yeah. And that's that's that. But, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, I'll, I'll take any comparison to him, obviously, that I can get. So. You play with Qureshi, right? And uh, yeah. you told me you're, you still play regular weeks with classes. With Raven, yeah. So is she part of the decision-making when you're picking a random partner? Is she someone you ask oh absolutely yeah yeah she's someone to ask on just about any kind of advice whether it's you know, coaches to trainers to partners to you know scheduling even I mean she like I said when you have people who really have your best interest even if they tell you something that you don't want to hear you know that they're saying it you know with good intentions and even if they're wrong at least they're saying it with good intentions mm -hmm. you know so I mean it, it all goes into it for sure and I mean Assam's been somebody we've we've both known for quite some time he's a very nice guy a good yeah. friend and uh, you know besides being a great player so I don't know if we had a whole lot to talk about on that one, but but those decisions definitely get talked about. All right, you know it's coming to you now. So, what is your feedback when he asks? Like, can I play? Probably a lot of things he doesn't want to hear. <laughs> I would say, um, 
I try to give him the best advice, but like he's saying, a lot of times it may not be the, the thing he wants to hear, but at least it's what I what I think, and I'm not afraid of giving my opinion, I guess, in most situations. <laughs> do you I'm do some research? I mean, is it like total tennis-wise, or wh- where do you come in? Or what? Yeah, I mean, I like I watch a lot, too, just to see how people play. Just, I, I enjoy watching, um, like, doubles. I really enjoy, and so just from, from watching and what I see, I can always give him my opinion on what I think from from the little bit that I know, but I try, I try my best. Uh, Zainab had given up her own career in medical sales uh, to be part of Rajiv's life on the tour. And the uh, remainder of this interview is an extension of a uh, much more free, free-flowing conversation between the three of us. And Zainab had some questions as well uh, regarding doubles and what a tennis fan thinks. So hope you guys enjoy the chat. It's always, you know, something we discuss all the time, not just he and I, but a lot of doubles players. Like, most do- most pl- people that come out and watch tennis fans are, are um, doubles players. They recreationally play doubles. And we're trying to figure out why you can't, we can't get more fans to come out and watch doubles. And it's the only reason they come out to watch doubles is if there's a big name playing, like if Kyrgios is playing or something, you know, yeah. they'll come out and watch. But why are they not, why is your average tennis fan not drawn to watch doubles? You want to take this? Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's a fair question. I honestly don't know because we've discussed something similar in our, you know, discussions. And and you're right, absolutely. If uh, Djokovic is playing with Zemanic, everybody goes to watch this. And uh, I think it, it, it's a maybe it's a two-way street. Maybe ATP really needs to uh, promote it in a better way. I know they have made some changes to the ten-point tiebreak, so it's more accessible. And uh, but yeah, it's just uh, somehow tennis has always been singles. I mean, back in the day when I was following, like McEnroe was active singles player and active doubles players. So those were the good old days. But now, doubles players are playing. I think you're right. It's a very exciting brand of tennis. And uh, and I, I'm guilty too. I mean, honestly, as a fan, when I've, you know, I've made my plans to buy tickets, I've made my plans around, you know, like potentially seeing Federer or even Safin or Gulbis, you know, like singles players. And you too, while growing up, you know, you were, you can jump in. I mean, you were a yeah. Sampras fan. Yeah. So, but now you are part of the active doubles uh you know, ATP. Yeah, for sure. Totally. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I, I mean, I guess it's just the charm of, you know, you feel like if you see Roger play or Rafa play or you know, whoever it is, a top, a top player in singles, it's something special. Mm-hmm. It seems like to me the tour, as a tour, we, we sell players, but we don't sell the product. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't market the actual product of singles or doubles or whatever you market the player so that that player becomes the star of the show no matter what they're doing and the players who are playing doubles are not as much the star of the show I'm not saying I have the answer on how to fix it but mm-hmm. Indian Wells is another great example there's a huge like, field and people will line up to watch Rafa play soccer when there's 50 courts going with players yeah. who are professional tennis players actually playing yeah. real matches you know so it's like again it's, it's, not, it's not anything that Rafa did wrong it's just that He's the star. It's not the sport. It's the it's the fact that, that a star is playing the sport, and that's sort of the the mm. balance that's not really, in my opinion, correct. And it's a, it's a unique problem because other sports doesn't have this. They only have it's basketball, so there's only okay, you know, five guys are playing. Yeah. So tennis has, I think, this doubles and singles, and doubles kind of get a little sidelined. Yeah. And even in mixed doubles, till Jamie Murray, I think, raised the issue. The prize money was a joke compared to what you know doubles winner got, and forget single. That's like a whole different yeah. league. So, are there discussions uh, about even mixed I mean, doubles? Like, in, uh, maybe mixed have doubles, points? Mixed doubles, no, because we, 
there's no points in mixed doubles, first of all, and this only happens in four events. Or so Open Cup, which is a game. Yeah, that, that doesn't have points for anybody, oh, yeah. though. So, I mean, mixed doubles only has happens in four events that are, like, sanctioned tournaments, which are the Grand Slams. So I don't think anyone really is so worried about that, but the doubles is actually, like, a proper tour and a proper way that people make a living. So I I don't know. Again, I think somehow the the, the marketing needs to be driven either to create the, the top players in doubles to make them stars as well mm-hmm. or to have the actual product be the focal point saying, yeah. you know, geez, everyone else out there, that's, this is what you play, this is what you do. Or the stories have to be driven, put on the, you know. Exactly. That's what, that's where I think the product becomes more reachable. Yeah. Because people check, I mean, I've been a fan, I've been going to the Open for 16 years. So you always, and I'll, I'm as guilty, you know, to your question, we'll go through the list. Because uh, if I want to see him or Leander, that's an exception. But, you know, we'll overlook maybe a great doubles match. Yeah. And we'll, you know, make our way and stand in line, like you said. 50 minutes to get to see Nalbandian. But there's a good doubles match going on. Yeah. Stepanek is playing with someone and you just you just don't make that effort. Yeah. And that match, you and Qureshi beat uh, Pays and Grog. Yeah. That match was yeah. epic. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen that kind of a match no, in a long time. I've never played that kind of match in however long I've played tennis. So, like, again... Somehow it's, it's something we talk about. It. Somehow something's getting missed, and not really sure how to communicate. And, 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 and it maybe it's the same problem that the ATP is having. I don't know. And it hit me because uh, that night we hung out with Pace, and uh, while we were having dinner, someone came and congratulated him, and she said she's been coming to Newport for all these years, and that's the best match she's seen. And Leander, even in loss, that kind of like made his day. Even yeah. though you know he was trying to digest that loss seven yeah. match mm-hmm. points. Yeah. So that was kind of very you know. Wow, jaw-dropping stuff for me because I'm saying, okay, not only she, you know, she was having dinner across and she yeah. came and just wanted to, you know, say this. And of course, there were three more players part of this, and yeah. you guys really put on a show that day. Yeah, and that was good yeah. stuff. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I we always wonder that though from the fans' perspective as to like, you know, if you're a fan, you probably play some kind of tennis. More than likely, it's probably doubles and singles. Yeah. More, and so why is it that? You know, there's not more of an attraction to go watch the sport that you actually play more. You know, like golf. Golf is a pretty good example. People kind of get drawn to golf because they also play golf. You know, they they understand some of the stuff. Wow, that guy hit that shot, and I wish I could. You know, but like in tennis, it's a similar thing. You know, but I feel like it's more relatable in doubles because that's what people play. But but it doesn't seem to parallel there. You know, I'm not sure we both answered your question, but do you have an answer? Like when you kind of try to hash this discussion with no other? I don't I don't, I don't. I and mean, they've made the better like I said shorter format scoring that makes it move faster so it's mm-hmm. not like you know you're you're waiting an hour for the match to get to a tie, you know a tiebreaker or something like that like a, it could be 30 minutes and you know you're towards the end of the first set so I, that's what we're trying to figure out is I've, I've suggested like to make it more where the players have to be more interactive with the fans after every match or they have to do something that that will make that make people want to come out you know even if like the winning team has to do something with the some kind of interaction with the fans at the end of the match you know whether it's come out and hit for five minutes or something there has to be something that will build like build i guess market that the doubles product per se you uh, know? maybe maybe on monday put all doubles matches and it would start singles on tuesday say in a 28 yeah. field draw or something yeah. that you can do yeah, because uh, I mean, then you run into all kinds of trouble. So, well, here's another thing: putting doubles matches on big courts is a good idea in theory, but then a lot of times what happens is you have a match playing in front of a completely empty stadium, which doesn't really help the image of the product. Yeah, it kind of takes you know what, what, step back. Yeah, what kind of looks pretty cool is you have a doubles match on a semi-big court that's full. Yeah, 
that's when it all of a sudden looks like an attractive product. Like today's match is pretty good where you guys played. Our it, match, yeah. yeah that but was, like tomorrow we're able to play on center court, and I don't know who's going to show up, but it sure feels like a better fit to play our match on yeah. the other court, which I don't think any doubles player has a problem with. They'd rather, we'd rather all play in a, a, a more lively atmosphere rather than a big empty court. You know? Now, do doubles guys have an issue like when singles guy gets wild cards for doubles draws, or is that something you accept I think it? everybody has their own views. I my preference is to have the best players possibly play. So, like, I want the highest level of tennis that's possible. So, so is that automatic given? Because at our level, at club level, you know, the best singles guy would also be a pretty good doubles guy. Right. You might miss a lot, but at your level, it's all strategy, it's teamwork, it's chemistry. It is, it is to a certain As talented extent. Kyrgios is, he cannot come and say, beat, you know, a seasoned doubles guy. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, they, him and Jack Sock gave Raven and I quite a lesson in Madrid this year. So, I mean... I think I think part of it is if you have the singles guys, maybe. Well, I mean, first of all, wild cards are a couple a couple people in each event. You know, if you get a few more people to come watch because Novak or someone else gets a wild card, okay, fine. I have, I have no problem with that. But the guys that play more regularly and actually get better at doubles—that's what happens. Some of these singles guys—they're naturally very good tennis players, and if they just practice a little bit more of doubles by playing, they actually they get better quickly. It doesn't take very long. So then I think that raises the standard of the mm. game, which I think is only a good thing. I mean, I don't think lowering the standard of the game is, is really a good option. So. Okay, we don't want to drift away from this. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a very legit question. I'm going to even put it out there. And I'm sure I'm not the first one. People have already asked this many times. What can you do to make this? Because it's a very fun sport. Yeah. Once you're watching, like, good exchanges and, you know, it just... Yeah. It's and it's relatable, like, yeah. I feel like. I mean... I mean, geez, I've played tennis at a decent level for quite a long time, and I can't think to do half the stuff that Federer does out there. I mean, yeah. he's a genius, you know, or Rafa or Novak or whoever. But, like, the doubles is is fairly relatable to the average club player, you know, in the sense that that's what they play on it. My dad plays doubles three times a week, you know. All right, so I'm not going to ask you the tricks of the trade, but all doubles guys have the signals behind the back. Yeah. So without explaining each signal, how many signals are there, I mean? <laughs> I think each team is separate. We've... As Raven and I have played longer and longer, we've somehow developed more and more signals. Oh, really? But, yeah. So there's I think a bigger there's a, playbook, huh? There's a, yeah, there's a few. And if you ask the Bryans and you listen to them, yeah. they say things that mean that to you and me would mean nothing. And to them, it actually means like, you know, it's a proper play. I mean, don't um, put you and me in the same category. Well, I'm just so, saying, I mean, you and me as people that understand <laughs> the English language, okay. they, they say things that don't have anything to do with tennis. And it means, you know, I'm going to serve here and you do this. So, I mean... I think uh, there's a couple standard ones, you know, serve here, stay, go, fake, this and that. But I think we've certainly gotten through. Our playbook has gotten thicker as we play longer. Yeah, maybe these kind of interviews should be on TV. You know, can, <laughs> not, not with me interviewing you, but like someone more marketable, and then maybe this kind of stuff should be better yeah. sold to fans. I don't know. Yeah, I think like she said. I mean, somehow the marketing, or you said, some of the marketing is lacking a little bit, and. It, if the way to go is you having to make the players the stars, I, I think you know this kind of stuff is pretty cool. You know. Like, and on the players' council, is there a special council for doubles, or the same guys speak for both singles and doubles? So we have representation based on rankings, and half of the council is not half, maybe a decent amount of the council is made up of people that are doubles players. So there is definitely representation. There is initiatives and all that, but it's. It's a hard thing when you know TV comes and says, "Well, we'll pay you this amount of money, but we want only singles." What are you going to say? You can't really say no because that's what pays your bills at the end of the day. Yeah. But somehow, we, the trick is trying to get the TV people to also want to show the doubles because people outside want to see it. Somehow, we have to make that 
maybe not half and half, but maybe you know, raise the raise the value a little bit more. So, have you noticed like certain markets, say Asia versus Europe versus North America, are all these markets giving the similar reception to doubles, or there are certain markets that are more excited about the doubles product? Mm. You want me? To? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, there's definitely markets that are like America for sure is higher in doubles than the others. Mm -hmm. And Europe, for sure, is the lowest that I've seen. I mean, okay. people in you know, in some of these countries, France and Germany, and these kind of well, maybe not Germany so much, but some of the countries in Europe definitely have a, a lower interest in doubles. Australia, England, America probably have the highest, and and Asia, I feel like people are pretty happy to Just come watch fans, tennis yeah. in general. Um, yeah, but that would be my take on it. But Europe, for some reason, Europe makes is, is very it's a very tough sell. And looks like mostly on clay then. Not even on clay. I mean, we have a full indoor season oh, in Europe yeah. that goes at the end of the year. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's some on clay, but it's also some. It's just any tournaments we play in that market. Inter some, very some. interesting. Okay. I have no idea why. Any so. other question you have? I mean, I know this is. No, I was just. I saw one question I always like to ask tennis fans is. Yeah. Is how to increase the viewership of doubles or viewership of anybody other than the top five, six, seven players that. Mm -hmm. that bring in fans. Yeah, we always wonder that too. Yeah. Like, I, I think even in singles, I think this is a girl sure. with these guys and then... Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, a guy like Marin Cilic, who's six in the world Wimbledon finalist, could probably walk on the street yeah. here and nobody would really bother him. And oh, yeah, Federer definitely. couldn't even take two steps outside his hotel room, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, Roger's... The, the stuff that he's done has been you know, yeah, but worldly, but geez, Cilic is an awfully good player too. Exactly. You know? That's what Stokowski said, you know, a few years ago there was an interview that he made, like, say, so much money, and since he lives in the Eastern Bloc, and after his travel, he said this is what he puts food on the table, and it was pretty much one-third what he took home. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, I would say, you know, I mean, it's not any different for yeah. a lot of us, too, exactly. we pay all of our own expenses, and we have to pay taxes just like everyone else, and, you know, difference than other sports that are team sports I mean like they have they don't pay their hotel and their flights and their you know support staff and all that I mean we, we have to we are responsible for all that on, in our sport so it's it's our expenses are quite a lot higher than most of their you know athletes so what's the roadmap ahead how long you want I mean still a fairly young guy but how long you want to play doubles uh, I mean I'd, I'd like to play as long as it's still enjoyable and so I can as long as I can feel, still feel like I can improve I think that's sort of why my singles career had an end is because I felt like it, that with the time I was putting into it, I wasn't really improving and that it stopped being fun for me. So as long as I can feel like I still have room to grow and I'm... I mean, I didn't see it coming. I think for a year and a half, you were like close to 50, right? Yeah. And you had a good run and I know your ranking fell because you won Newport, but I, when you told me, I didn't see it coming that yeah. you, this was your last one. It was just hard because, I mean, my ranking got... The disparity in my doubles and singles ranking grew so much and I felt like... You know, 50 was a good ranking for me, and I could maybe get close to it or there again. But I, I really felt like I'm hoping in the next few years in the doubles I can, you know, maybe competing, you know, be competing for big tournaments, for Grand Slams and stuff. And I, I was pretty well sure that that was not going to happen in singles. You know, so the idea of, you know, at least having the chance to play for some really big titles in, in tennis is, is attractive. And in order to do that, I think I need to have a full focus towards it. So. More power to you. It's good. Yeah. I mean, you know your tennis best. I mean, yeah, it's a great decision, I guess, and hope it works out. So. Yeah.